And welcome back to another episode of Swing Thoughts. Uh, great to be here on TSN 1150 Hamilton. And, of course, around the world, you can download the program on our Facebook page, on iTunes as well. And uh, now going on to our, uh, I guess it's our fourth season of doing this together. Tim O'Connor is the mental performance coach for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy. Also uh, does a lot of work on his own with some fine players. Timothy. Good morning. How are you, sir? Fantastic. Let me just get the music down here. Uh, Very excited. TaylorMade, of course, one of our sponsors. And Adidas. The uh, I got a couple things here that the uh, fine folks at TaylorMade would like us to uh, have everyone experience injected twist face uh, technology and discover why not all speed is created equal. And, of course, uh, we're really excited. We gave away the ultimate fitting experience a few weeks ago. And you know what? We've got some other prizes from TaylorMade coming up and from Adidas. So there you go. Thanks very much to uh, both TaylorMade Adidas and um, well, I guess that's that. Okay. Uh, another week. Now, this is, uh, we're recording on a different day, but uh, it's funny, this last week on the PGA Tour, did you watch any of the, the team stuff? I wasn't really you that know interested. What? I wasn't that interested. Um, no, I had some family stuff going on, so I just didn't put my, oh, it was Corey's birthday. I was going to say, I, was, I, was, I would thought it was your birthday or the kid's birthday. The kid's looking good, man. Yeah, yeah, he is. Did yeah. you see the picture? I'm with like the little bunny. We had some. We had like these little bunnies in a nest in our backyard, and oh my gosh, we were starting to like, you know, look at them every day. Are they doing okay? <laughs> Are they in the window well? Hard to make believe. Damn, make sure the damn cats don't get around. You I, know? Found, I found it hard to believe a man who uh, looks as young as you do could have a 25 year old son. But there it is. Uh, anyway, golf nerds, uh, welcome to the that? show. We're, <laughs> we're, I don't know what's going on. You know, I know people love to complain about the weather, but I've been in this market for 30 years, and uh, this is one of the latest starts to uh, an actual season that I can recall. But at some point, it is going to get golfable, and that's why we're here to provide another, you know, an alternative way of looking at the game of golf. Uh, to that point, I'd like to introduce our guest this morning. He's a, a gentleman I met a couple of summers ago. He'll tell the story, I guess. But it was an interesting experience for me. I got to play for only, the, I guess, the, the second time in my life, but the first time on the European tour. I got to play in a pro-am, and I drew David Howell who couldn't have been a better guy for me because not only is he an elite player, you know, at one point ranked in the top 10 in the world, but David is a great talker and a great storyteller. And David's golf swing coach, along with his mental coach, were walking along with us that day. And it was a, it was like a, uh, a, a lottery win for me because that person was the same. It was somebody that taught swing and the mental side. And I just peppered this gentleman with questions for, well, all that day and the next day. And uh, it's a pleasure to welcome him to Swing Thoughts. Jonathan Wallet. hello, sir. How are you? Hi, Howard. Uh, great to be on the on the show. And uh, yeah, excited to speak to you and uh, to everyone. Well, uh you know, when I came back from Scotland, Jonathan, I told Tim I'd met you, and, I, and you were one of the few people I'd ever come across that teaches mechanics of the swing, but also the mental side of the game. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to, to sort of do that, which is a very unique experience. Right. Well... I suppose my background is, uh, you know, I was a reasonable junior player, played for the England team. Um, but, uh, you know, I had a good mental game, if you like, but my technique held me back. So then I tried to improve my technique, um, made, you know, over technical. Um, and then as a result, you know, uh, it wasn't good enough to play on the European tour. And then, um, you know, found my way into coaching. But what I've seen is that I've seen that players can get obsessed with one area of the game, whether it's swing. It can also be the mental side. It can also be the physical side these days. And and, and what I saw was the players that performed the best and, and which which improved the fastest, they were they sort of had a fusion of a little bit of technique. Of course, you know, you need to hit the ball well and, and have 
be competent in the mechanics, but also you need to be able to think well and, and, and get the best out of yourself. And then you need to be able to manage yourself well as well. So really, um, when people say to me, are you a swing coach? Are you a mental coach? My answer is actually, I'm a golf coach. I actually teach golf. And, and, and you know, if we, if we were to look in uh, the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, whether they still publish that or not <laughs> in these uh, online days, I'm not so sure. But um, the, the, the definition of golf would be getting the ball from A to B in the least strokes possible. And I think if you, if you looked on Google, it would say something similar to that, getting the ball from A to B, um, from, from a teeing ground to a hole. And I think in essence, that is the game of golf. And, and certainly when I was a young player, I got away from that. And, 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 and certainly, so when I'm teaching players, I'm just trying to teach them essentially to get the ball from A to B in the least strokes possible. It sounds like you're really trying to achieve a balance between all those modalities, if you will. Uh, my experience, and I'll run this by you, is that when golfers run into trouble, Let's say we were talking about this in our last podcast. Let's say they have a spate of three putts. They immediately yep. go to the practice green after and start to work on their stroke, you know, some aspect of it. I keep my head down, et cetera. Um, and they lose sight of this other side of the game being, you know, the stuff between the ears. So how do you work with players in terms of achieving that balance and not going to that place of, oh, my gosh, I'm, it must be my faulty mechanics? Yeah, I mean, I think you, what you say is is very correct, Tim, in that players often, if they um, play poorly, uh, they, they instantly refer to their mechanics, whether it's putting, as you say, or on the swing. Um, but it's interesting that actually when you take an in-depth um, discussion or conversation with a player, uh, and, and often they actually will, will say, well, it actually probably wasn't, you know, I putted poorly maybe because... Um, you know, I concentrated poorly or I was very distracted when I got on the greens. And But then, the, 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 yeah, their sort of um, answer to that is then to go and work on their mechanics or strip down their mechanics sometimes. So um, I think that's our role as coaches is, is to, to question players and, and try to get to the root cause of the problem. And sometimes the root cause is technical and sometimes the root cause is, is more on the thinking side. Uh, and that's why I feel that, um, you know, as coaches – uh, you know, we you know, don't get too far away from, from, from the game of golf, you know, um, getting the ball from A to B in the least strokes possible. Um, Jonathan Wallet, the elite, I, I want to make sure I have, I have about 17 tabs open. I want to I make sure I get the, the name of the okay. academy. It's the Elite Finish Coaching it for me. Golf Academy. Elite. The Elite Coaching Golf Academy. Yeah. Exactly. I have an article that you wrote about why Tiger Woods won the Masters, and I won't get into all the minutiae of it, uh, but okay. it's interesting. Yeah. One of the things I like, because you talk about how he excelled in strokes gained approach and yeah. how that, that helped him win. And, and But one of the things you, you talk about in the article is you break it down to the one-quarter rule for players in your academy. Maybe this can help guide some of the amateurs listening because ultimately there aren't very many people statistically that are listening that are elite players. It just is a right. statistical anomaly, if you will. But what you coach and what Tim coaches and what we talk about on this show is to extrapolate elite best practices and how they can affect an amateur's game. Yeah. So what are the what are the one quarters? Well, the one quarter rule is um, essentially how you balance each area of the game when you practice. So certainly when I was when I was a young player and I was improving a lot and I got to the England junior team, uh, you know I was working on my my putting, I was working on my short game, I was working a lot of my approach play, and then of course a little bit of um, long game. But actually, you know where, where I grew up, that you know there wasn't a range. So, you know, most of the long game practice was literally just playing. But then what I see with the elite players that I've coached is the ones which aren't sort of getting better is they can get over-obsessed and, 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 and they hit lots of balls um, and, and try to, they have this wrong concept of trying to burn it in through repetition practice. And so really what the, in essence, the one quarter rule is um, that one quarter of your time should be working on the long game one quarter of your time should be working on what we call the scoring game. Now, I feel the scoring game is, uh, for, let's say for an adult player, might be 50 to 150 yards. Uh, you know, for a lady, it might be a little bit shorter. So effectively, you approach play, and then one quarter of your time 
the short game around the green and, and, and one quarter of your time putting. So in a nutshell, that's what the one quarter rule is, achieving balance through your practice, again, in order to try to, to, to lower your score. Well, one of the things that I, and you've touched on it, is this obsession with, with mechanics and the technical part. And one thing that I see, so I coach uh, a university team, and what I see is that they're largely practicing a lot of times as being great range players, working on their game, getting, getting some, you know, the, the swing to fall into the slot. And the struggle is, is trying to get them to make a connection to working on, say, mechanics, block, block practice, if you will. But also, how do you take, how do you then transition to the golf course so that you can perform? So how do you work with your players so they don't get stuck in that, you know, going down the rabbit holes of constantly trying to fix and get the technical minutiae down? Yeah, yeah, good, good um, uh, thought there, Tim. And and you know, I was the Hong Kong national coach for three years, and certainly, you know, it was in Hong Kong and the Asian mentality to hit as many balls as they can. The hardest worker, um, it becomes the best player concept. But actually, that's 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 not true. Um, and so, I feel that uh, you know the biggest mistake players make they try to burn it in through repetition practice and i say what we have to do is we have to build skill and build skill is um we need to create variability because like when we play on the golf course even if we're playing our home club you know every time we play the first hole we'll probably have a slightly different second shot you know one time it might be one five two yards to the flag one time one four three the, the wind might be slightly different. The grass might be slightly different. The conditions, the humidity. Our physiology may be different. Our psychology may be different. So, so we're playing a, a, a variable game in, in a variable environment. And so really our training and our practice must be, you know, um, training skills in a variable environment. And so what we try to do is with practice is rather than going on the range and, and hitting balls to one tiger, we try to do a lot of variable practice, a lot of challenge-based practice. And to be honest, most of the time, I, I try to get players to only practice on the golf course. Um, the more you can practice on the, on the golf course with, with challenge-type games, probably the m- more effective uh, it's going to transfer to to, to to the tournament environment. You know, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, the Asian mentality of the hardest worker wins. But, you know, golf breeds a lot of type A personalities, a lot of people. You know, I'm, I was a perfect example of so I thought, well, if I just hit a 100,000 golf balls, I'll, I'll have consistency and I'll, I'll never need to work on my swing again. When, you know, when it turns out that what what I think the best golfers and the best amateur players and i think also the most the most enjoyable way is to be comfortable with being a little uncomfortable because the game gives us that it's uh, i had this conversation with another uh, guest on our show charles uh, fitzsimmons a young guy getting his phd in sports psychology and we talked a little bit the other day about it's not consistency it's reliability and and reliability comes from having faced a, a variety of shots and situations over the course of your practice and so just talk a little bit about there's there's a phrase I, I read somewhere it's not transfer training but you have another word for that where you where you take the experience of play and you build up reliability because you've faced those situations before yeah i mean we have to try to build what i call competitive confidence so that's the, that's the ability to perform a skill under stress uh, defined so competitive confidence and so you know, we've got to build trust. And, and so practice has got to be um, based around the concept of building trust so you can have competitive confidence to um, be able to perform a skill in a stressful, um, variable environment. And so, you know, the um, we have to be, uh, you know, most people train very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's that's the root of the problem. And, and you know, the, the intention's very good. People put a lot of effort in. But the productivity coming out the other side is not so good, and and, and, and yeah. So, uh, the, what we have to try and do is to um, uh, build competitive confidence from our training. So, if I could just follow up. So, how do you? Well, so if somebody's listening now and they think, you know, I'd like to explore the idea of, you know, that being a bit more 
competitively competent, whatever competition that is. So what are yeah. some of the games you play? What are the, some of the things you put your pros in and how do you feel? How do they get to get them to feel that stress? Okay, well, let's just maybe go from the other way around. Oh, I think we had a uh, <clears throat> Tim. Oh, there he is. John, are you back? Yes. Okay. Did you kind of? We had a little uh, Zoom stumble there. Tim, are you still there? Okay. I'm still here. Hi, Tim. So go ahead, John. Fi- fin- finish that thought. Okay. So um, let's, for instance, with the beginner. They're practicing their putting. Well, yeah, you might want to start with getting some good mechanics. So you might maybe put two clubs down in a line. So just practice some short putts, uh, getting the concept of path and face square. But then after five minutes of that, what you might do is set a task whereby you try and play three random holes in, let's say, if they're a beginner, you might say nine putts. Okay. Um, and, w- and when they've done that, uh, you know, you might then set the task of eight putts. And, and, and then once they've done that, seven putts. But then what you can do is then you can change the slopes and change the positions of the ball and randomize it. And, and, and the more you practice in that way, whether you're a beginner, a club player, or an elite player, um, the, the more you're going to build this competitive confidence. Um, just a, I was with David Howell actually several days ago at Queenwood in London. And, you know, David's one who, you know, he gets stuck on the range like a lot of players. And we did a couple of days together, actually. And, and you know, before we started, our, our goal was to not go on the range. Um, so, which we didn't, apart from 15-ball warm-up. And we went out on the course and we did all these practice games on the course. And for your elite players listening, this is a, a game um, David learned from Dennis Pugh, who, who coaches uh, Molinari. And it's a game Molinari plays when he's at home uh, in London, uh, whereby you have to, it's a, quite a difficult one, this one. So Howard, I think you might be able to manage it, but I'm not sure. Uh, um, you've got to be a very uh, good player, but you have to try and birdie every hole. So, And, and your score at the end of the, the um round a nine-hole game is the number of shots you played so for instance you might hit a drive down the first and then you hit your second shot to 30 feet where you can replay any shot you want but then then that counts as as a shot so let's say on the first hole David hit his shot to 30 feet now it's unlikely he's going to take quite a lot of attempts to hole from 30 feet so he replayed a couple more shots got it to eight feet and then he hold the first part so he's played two extra shots on that hole oh I see that's and that's how the game works. And he finished off for nine holes. He did 30 shots. And apparently, um, Frankie, you know, Francesca Molinari, you know, he's, he's done it in, in single digits. Um, he's his best. So, wow. Yeah. Um, Tim, you had a question? So I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to ask. In terms, so a lot of our listeners are people who get out maybe once a week um, yep. and maybe twice uh, at most. But they're... They're aspirational. They listen to this show because they avid players and they, they want to get better, but they have limited time. So what would you suggest in terms of a player with who might get to the range maybe once a week, if that, or they just have time for, say, a good warm-up? What would you suggest in terms of their approach so they can hit the golf course ready and not be bound by all these mechanics? Yeah. Okay. So what I would say, if you've got very, very limited time and you're almost your practice is, is only um, warming up, as you just said there, Tim, I would say uh, make a rule of uh, every shot must be different. So uh, if you look at Miguel Angel Jimenez, when he practices or when he warms up at a tournament, uh, he will never aim at the same target twice. So he might aim to the left side of the range on the first shot, to the right side of the range on the second shot, on the third shot, down the middle. Then he'll change club. Um, and so every shot is different. And if you've got limited time to practice, if you make every shot different, I think that's that's a good start. Because remember, when you go out and, and play on the course, uh, every shot is different. And if it's not, it's probably because you're playing a provisional ball. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, that sounds to me, well, what it sounds to me is that we talk about on this show ad infinitum is put your focus on hitting golf shots instead of playing golf swing. We're not, a lot of people play the game thinking, did I put a good stroke on it? How's my swing? To me, that's misplaced attention. It's about hitting shots. And I think when people 
as you say, try to hit different shots that puts them in a mindset that this is moving point the ball from point A to point B. And, and just to pick up what Tim was saying, you know, Everyone thinks that, you know, maybe they're not good enough. Maybe they're not good enough to play the birdie every hole game. But everybody is good enough to 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 make a sh- to make an attempt to make a shot versus trying to figure out if they can remember how their swing is supposed to work. You know, <clears throat> if you're a 15 handicap, you can still rather than sitting over a golf ball wondering if you're supposed to go inside or out, you could at least ask yourself, what's the shot here? What is the course asking me to do? Which I think is a more productive way to put your attention and focus than trying to remember every shot because it becomes very um, mentally taxing. Would you not agree, Jonathan? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, what you, what Tim said there about yeah, playing golf swing as opposed to – because that's not golf, is it? Ultimately, if we go back to that, um, you know, what is the essence of the game, getting the ball from A to B in the least strokes possible. Yeah, we've got to play shots uh, and we've got to uh, do the best we can and, and getting that ball into the hole. And so the, so the more our practice reflects that, that core thing – then the you know the more we're staying sort of loyal to to, to, to the DNA of the game, if you like. Um, Jonathan Wallace, our guest. We've got about three or four minutes before we have to take our break here on TSN eleven fifty. So um, you were just before we started, you were mentioning like I, I got a chance to to play in this pro am for a lot of weird reasons. Anyway, I'm, I, I've never done it. I'm a little nervous. David Howell, you know, he's an elite player. He tees off, and the other two guys in my group tee off before me and there we're playing from the the members tees and they make some golf swings and they're they're fine and i take a practice swing and david howell says over my shoulder oh we got a real player here and i got you know i was kind of nervous i was like oh because you know i guess he could see i had a bit of a golf swing and i told tim last week i said that drive i hit in that pro-am was the best swing i made all summer long like it was just epic, and I, I I crushed this drive, and I look back at how and go, I'll play a game if you want to, son, and then we became we became good friends. But I, I, that was a great experience for me. But not only playing with David, but but having you to to ask questions of and to bounce things off of, and and I found it very helpful. Well, Howard, I must say, uh, David was very very correct in that. Uh, uh, you were one of the, his best ever program partners. Uh, you, you know, you were dressed like a peacock, if I may, may remember. You looked like a tour player. Yeah. Um, well, thanks to our sponsors, and, TaylorMade and Adidas, yes. Yeah. And you had all the mannerisms of a tour player. And um, I was expecting, you know, um, all, you know, all the gear and no idea. But then, as you say, you did hit an absolute rocket down the first, and, and you backed it up with with uh, competitive confidence and a lot of skill. So, well, yeah. Jonathan, did, did he tell you that he's a stand-up comic? And I, th- I think that what was going on there a little bit was um, <laughs> he was on stage. Yes, Please absolutely. To the first tee, humble Howard. Well, it was funny. I think, that in that, I think that in that moment, sometimes the adrenaline gets going. And oh, yeah. It just happens. My, my then, best. Then, uh, go ahead. Go, go on, go on, Howard. No, I was going to say one of my, the best moment was a few holes later, I made a birdie and, and, uh, I, I, the putt went in and a few people started to clap and Howell looked at me and he said, you got to tip your hat. <laughs> so once I, once I was given permission to do that, I tipped it after every swing, whether people were applauding or not. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Now, now you mention it, Tim, um, actually, uh, the nearer he was to the grandstands, the better he played and, and the more in the remote parts of the course. He was just, uh, just, uh, yeah. Absolutely. You didn't tell me this part. You didn't tell me this part. <laughs> Jonathan, um, it was a real thrill to, to connect with you again. I've been following you uh, um, since we met. I, I go to your site, EliteCoaching.com. There's free articles. There's stuff you can learn. And, again, this doesn't just apply. What Jonathan does is takes people that want to be tour players and helps them to that, but he also will have uh, information on that site that will help players of any level and any stage. And it was uh, great to to connect with you. And we want everyone to go to EliteCoaching.com. Jonathan's based out of uh, Europe, but there's, you know, maybe an opportunity for Jonathan to come to North America and uh, conduct some uh, teaching here. Thank you so much for this, by the way. Great. Thank, thanks, Howard. Great to speak to you and Tim, and um, uh, and hopefully uh, a great golf season for your listeners. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll take a we'll take a quick break here. Uh, it's uh, the 
Award-winning, I just said that, the award-winning podcast, Swing Thoughts, uh, each and every week on TSN 1150. We'll be right back. Listening to uh, Swing Thoughts here on TSN 1150. It's our pleasure to be part of this uh, Bell uh, radio station. And of course, uh, our podcast, Tim, I think this is episode 91. I believe so. Episode 91. Tim O'Connor, the uh, mental performance coach for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy, O'ConnorGolf.ca. And uh, go make sure you uh, check out his uh, your site. O'ConnorGolf.ca is the uh, one-stop shop for all O'Connor-related material. I understand you're uh, you're doing some uh, uh, seminars. Tell us about that, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> doing. Um, yeah, I do these workshops called Getting Unstuck. Uh, they're aimed at amateur golfers, and we're we're uh, doing them at clubs across. Uh, Southern Ontario, and uh, we just did one on Monday at Mississauga with James Hutchison there. Um, a lot of fun, and you know, people talk a lot about their games and the stuff that kind of uh, you know we have between our ears that we don't often share. So it's really fun, and uh, so you can check that out on my uh, on my website. So uh, so thanks for that. Alan Langer was our guest uh, last week, and uh, I I must have been I guess the last person in my uh, network not to have heard of her but ever since she was on the show with us thanks to you um i've had lots of conversations with uh people who are like wow you had ellen langer on the show um professor at harvard that ellen langer yeah and, that ellen langer yeah, yeah that's pretty cool i mentioned uh um, our buddy uh my buddy charles fitzsimmons who is uh you know at some point, he well, he's already doing mental performance coaching, but he knew her. We had a conversation about mindfulness. My older brother, who loves the show, Swing Thoughts, uh, mentioned, obviously, that you know he was aware of her work. Pretty interesting how it connects to golf being more... You know, if you're listening to this show, again, you knew people on the radio may not understand. It's, we're, not gonna te- we're not teaching you... We won't teach you how to be better... In terms of your swing mechanics, but hopefully you'll get something out of this that'll help you enjoy the game and give you some perspective that might lead to lower scores, correct? Absolutely. And what was interesting about Ellen Langer is that she was talking about a, a lot of the things that we've been going on about golf since we started this little podcast, but from an academic perspective, but also from a just a life perspective and what's so interesting to me is that what she's largely talking about is that we're prone as people to go around through life kind of mindless and that we've done we, we kind of have this ingrained way of doing things so we're not really even aware of what we're doing and why and the same thing comes to golf so many people come into golf i believe with this sense of it's all about shooting my best score, getting my handicap down, all of which is really good. But from the standpoint of like, if I make a double bogey on the first hole, the day is done. And I think that there's a different way to look at it and that there's that if we're actually mindful, we're aware of what we're doing, there's more possibilities for golf, uh, for having more fun and, and playing better as well. That's the thing that she put together nicely. She says, when we're aware of what's going on to our reality, our neurons are firing and everything is working in sync as opposed to our just being stuck in this loop of thoughts. Um, you sent me a note um, basically outlining how uh, some some reflection on the Ellen Langer show and, and sort of how it ties into some of the things we've talked about. But it's funny, what is it about golfers that 
we sometimes, a lot of us, a lot of golfers are just stuck in this one way. And that's one of the things she said. You know, try and look at things in a different way, just even a little bit, and it opens up so many possibilities. Why is it then that we just all go to the range, and we hit balls, and then we hit a few putts, and then we go to the first tee, and it's just, we just do the same things? You know, a few years ago, I suggested to a couple of my friends that are really good, good players, plus one, zero, one handicaps, I said, hey, why don't we just play with three clubs? And you would have thought I suggested I we. You would have thought I suggested we dress up as pirates, <laughs> like, like seriously. Because yeah. I, I said, why don't we just try it? You know, I'll take a three wood, a six iron, and a pitching wedge or a lob wedge. I think I could break eighty with three clubs. And one of the people said, "Yeah, let's try it." But the other two were like, Ugh. "I go just for one Sunday morning. Can't we just do something different? It'll still be golf, but it'll be on our own terms." So your point about we get stuck in this pattern and we just do the same things, even if it's like 132 yards, this is my nine iron, I always hit this club. And yet if you're open to the environment, then maybe you you find a different way to play that shot. What she talked about, I was just rereading her book, The Power of Mindful Learning. And she says, when we're aware of what we're doing, we are more open to new things and distinctions and the subtle things that make a difference. So when I'm not locked into a, here's how I hit a nine iron shot and and this is the swing model I'm going to adhere to. If I'm open to feeling what's going on, say, I might feel like I hit the shot and go, wow, did that ever feel different? And that might that might be something I can take into to more of my game and exploring what those things feel like. And so I think that's the possibility that that she opens up is that we can learn more about ourselves when we're aware of what we're doing rather than being trapped into this habitual way of just this is just the way we do it mm-hmm. on autopilot. You know, I'll, I'll give some practical, I don't know I can say, advice. Just some things that I, you know, that I work on in my game, especially this time of year. You know, I, I haven't been out a whole lot. When I, when I have been out, like I was yesterday, I've used it as a way to kind of, you know, just, yeah, I've got some tournaments coming up and I want to feel like I'm, you know, at least I put some time in. But, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I'm aware that it was nine degrees yesterday that the ball isn't flying very far. I've got a couple layers on. Um, you know, my left shoulder's a bit sore. And on and on and on. Being a very aware of of all of those things so that if I if it's 136, which is kind of like a hard wedge, easy nine iron, all I said to myself all day was, let's, not, let, let's look at the shot for this shot. And so sometimes from 136, depending on the lie and how wet it was, I might have hit a seven iron or an eight iron or do something, but I just didn't reach for my stock shot because as I said to myself yesterday, all those numbers are variables right now. And some of the best shots I hit were when I was the most engaged to your point of what you're saying to, uh, to look, to look away from just your standard practices and and you find some interesting results i hit a couple shots yesterday that were like i sort of was like even my i was like hmm i never really considered that i could i hit a four iron i usually hit my four iron about 200 yards but i hit one yesterday 182 or three but i did it in such a way i was like hmm i want to remember that feeling because if i ever need to hit a high cut hold off fade four iron at least i know what that feels like now Absolutely. Like you were present to that. I was present to it. As opposed to it, it fit, you know, it didn't go this certain yardage and, oh, what the hell's with that? Right. Um, She doesn't use this language in our interview, but uh, I remember Judson Brewer did, and that was another phenomenal get um, years ago for our podcast. And I, I think what you're talking about to some degree is contraction versus expansion. So when I'm contracted, uh, and believe me, I relate to this because I was always so mechanics focused and I had to do this. And then I'd hit a shot and go, oh, I didn't know it was uphill. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's so leave, perfect. It's like I leave you, it short. You, know, you do all it. these things and you're like, it's uphill into the wind, you idiots. 
exactly because I was so you know contracted and like oh I have to do it right but when I'm ex- expansive I'm kind of outside of myself and noticing what's going on it's like oh yeah the air is cold uh, it's windy um, you know a standard five iron isn't going to go you know 180 that's it's right going to go maybe you know 165 or so and adjust to that so I think what we're talking about is just when we're aware of what's going on, we're more connected to what's going on out in the world. And thus we read the conditions better. We adapt. Everything is better than, than again, in trying to conform to this model that we, the way we've always done it. Here's a couple of thoughts for some things I've been reading lately. I read the Every Shot Should Have a Purpose. I've read Point A. Great book that uh, Hebron recommended. But one of the things in one of those books, and I wrote it down, was hit on the golf course. And this is for high handicappers and elite players. It's one thing to try a couple of goofy shots that are fun to try, little lobs over bunkers and whatever. But on the golf course, hit the shot you know how to hit. And, and, and it's a powerful thing when you think about it. Like whenever I'm playing with my brother, older brother Dave, who loves to hit it long, we all do, but... On, when I when I if he's I've told the story about it, he has a 250 yards to a par five and you put a three wood in in his hands and now the anxiety goes up but you put a seven iron in that person's hands and they know how to hit a seven iron your 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 engagement level goes up but your anxiety goes down the point about hitting the shot you know how to hit if you got a a pitch shot to a near pin and you think well i saw ian poulter hit this shot on tv on sunday you don't know how to hit it hit the low runner pitch and run a seven iron up and you know it'll it'll hitting the shot you know how to hit if you just use that little takeaway then you're only going to hit shots that are comfortable to you you know, like I don't, I don't drive this new driver from TaylorMade. I, it's ridiculous how straight I hit it. I don't turn it over as well as I did. I do my three wood. So when I have a shot I want to draw, I don't hit my driver because I know how to draw that three wood. Thoughts, comments, and concerns. Uh, no concerns. Uh, plenty of thoughts. What I'm going to connect to is, I was dealing with uh, one of my clients this week who. Uh, struggles on courses where there's a lot of demand put on tee shot where you know you got to get that thing in play or you could be looking for a big number and he just would reach for his driver or his three would and because he said oh that's what you need to do and i said well i think there's some different options you can take and one of the things is hitting the shot that not only that you know you can hit but you feel comfortable hitting just like you said with your brother and so we went with that with this client was I said, if you're standing over a shot and your body just doesn't feel that it can settle into it, your body's sending you a message that you don't have this shot right now, or maybe it's not the right one. So listen to what's going on, be aware. And then, so maybe it means going back to a, a five iron for gosh sakes to get into it. And that's what it takes. So, Let's say you're on a par four that's, you know, 425, which is pretty darn long uh, for an average golfer. But if you hit a five iron, maybe you can hit the green with with, um, a hybrid or maybe you hit again and then you hit a wedge in. You still got a chance at par. Worst you're going to make is a bogey. I love that. You know, I, there's a hole I played yesterday on uh, at my golf course. It's 565 yard par five. And uh, even on my best day downwind when it's running fast, I can I can maybe once a summer get a ball nearer the grain. So I teed off yesterday with a three wood. And uh, the person I'm playing with said, what's that all about? And I said, well, partly I'm, I want to I shape a shot here, but there's no point in me hitting driver. Uh, there's no advantage I gain from it. I can I can hit it long enough, but what's the point? The point is... The first job on every hole, for me at least, is to get the ball in play. So I might hit a hybrid there at some point this summer. Downwind, I could hit a my gapper 230, 40 yards that will leave me in the fairway. Because the disadvantage of hitting a driver poorly outweighs the, you know, the advantage of being, what, 30 yards, 20 yards closer. I'm still not, I'm still laying up is the point. 
So if you have a person that is playing a, a par five and or a par four, you can't reach in two. Then what is your why are you hit why are you hitting driver off the tee? Again, it plays exactly into what we're talking about. Is is are we being mindful or mindless? And when we're mindless, we do it by rote. Oh, it's a par five. I got to hit driver. Yeah. Or, or three wood. There's so many different options for playing, and it's interesting how. I think that our concern sometimes about, say, being judged or getting needled can play, can hurt us. You watch PGA Tour players all they're hitting irons all over the place, and there's no, you know, Bruce Kefka is saying to Dustin Johnson, hey, what are you afraid of there, bud? Yeah. <laughs> they, but I, I think among us, the, you know, maybe it's a, a guy thing is that, oh, I, I you know, I want to be seen that I'm, a maxing out here or something. So again, it, it's just being, you know, what are we, what are we really doing uh, to support ourselves and, and having fun and, and, and just really being in the experience the way we want to be, as opposed to the way we think we're supposed to show up. Yeah. I love that. You know, um, just a couple of things I, I want to uh, connect with in terms of, you know, some of the stuff I've been working on and some of the things that have served me well recently. And, you know, I came back from this off season with a kind of a different view of how I was going to go about my business. And one of the things, you know, it's like being target focused, isn't just going, I'm going to hit it there. You know, I was on a longer par four yesterday, you know, kind of cold. I miss hit my second shot slightly. I had about a 20 yard pitch to the hole. Whereas normally I would just kind of go, okay, I'm guessing I'm going to try and land it there and have it run up. But I did this that I'd never done before. I walked up and I said to myself, where would I like to putt this from? And it was a it was a pretty sharp left to right break. So I thought, okay, well, what I would really like to putt this from is the other side of that hole. So I've got an uphill right to left putt. And the cool thing was, because that was my intention, I kind of missed my spot, but it ended up short and right of the hole on the green. So even though I didn't hit it where exactly where I wanted to, it ended up in a place that gave me a better chance to get up and down. And I'd never really considered that before. Now, again, I know you could say, oh, it's easy for you because whatever, you know how to pitch a ball. But the point is, everybody does. Everyone can get it from point A to over here. And when you consider like, okay, if I hit this past the hole, even if I'm three feet, that's a tougher putt than a seven or eight footer right to left up this hill. And I think those are the little things, the nuances that being aware and being a little more present can open us up to. That sounds strategic and fun. I think part of the fun of golf is figuring out what we're going to do. All these different options and all these things present to me, that's, to me, almost as much fun as what I'll call the visceral thrill of impact on a great shot is deciding what am I going to do here of all these different things. To me, that's as much a part of the game as swinging the golf club. But again, being mindful versus mindless, I came, I remember a couple of years ago, I came to this realization that when I was chipping and pitching, I would always just try and say, hold it. And then I would like leave myself with these stupid <laughs> shots. You know, I, 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 you know, I'd hit beyond the hole and leave myself with like, say, a downhill treacherous three footer. But if I miss, it's going off the freaking green. Yeah. And then I went, wait a sec. I just want to get this. So maybe it's below the hole. And if I leave myself with anything from, say, you know, five feet to just below the hole, that's great. And executing like that. So that's the fun of being a little bit more mindful and strategic even in the short game it be, it's more fun and you can leave yourself better opportunities for getting up and down um here's something i picked out of the uh, the last book uh pia and lynn the golf 54 uh swedish people uh <laughs> The art of hitting shots on purpose from point A to point B or something. Well, no, it's the, yeah, it's the <laughs> mindfulness of purpose-driven com- compression. They, they have this thing, this little scorecard after a round, and they ask the three questions you should ask yourself at the end of every round is, and I'll, and I'll tell you why I like this. A lot of times, and it's what you and John were saying about, you know, you get frustrated after a round of golf and you immediately go and try and fix your golf swing. When you have to have a perspective on, well, maybe how much of that round that went a a little sideways, how much was it in my golf swing? How much was it? How did I feel that day? 
You know, how's my body feeling? How's my shoulders and all that stuff? But sometimes we lose perspective on that because we're just so, well, my golf swing's broken. <laughs> so yeah. here, here's what I like. They say, ask yourself these three questions at the end of a round. What was good about today? What, what did I do well? What can I do better? And how am I going to go about doing that? And I think because even yesterday I played 20 holes of golf after, by by the time it was all said and done, I'd played 20 holes of golf and I was starting to feel like a little old familiar anxiety coming in because, you know, maybe I didn't hit this shot as good as that shot. And then as I was going to sleep last night, I said to myself, what did I do well today? And I realized, man, I hit a lot of really cool shots. You know, what could I do better? Well, I may, you know, what I could do better is take a little more time over some of the smaller shots because I was like cold and rushing a little bit. And then how am I going to do that next time? Well, part of it is just being cold. (laughs) I just am so tired of being outside and my hands being cold. But but it, it allowed me to look at the whole day as like, wow, you know, there was really some good work done today. So as opposed to like, ooh, my swing didn't feel good there a couple times. Well, of course it didn't because I'm 100 and my arm hurts. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, You just feel 100, dude. You're looking like, you're looking like 40. No, I know, but I'm everything, everything, everything hurts. Everything hurts now. What you're talking about is basically um, getting away from that pattern of, you know, you get four guys come off the golf course or four women, what have you. Oh, I, I left so many shots out there and at number 16, I did this and all that. And, and if you can look at it in a different way, a different way, you could come away from the golf course getting a win. And yeah. so a thing that I put in practice with the University Guelph golf team was that I just did not, after a tournament, if I didn't intervene, all it would be would be moaning and groaning for most of the way home. But, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me on 50. Oh, you think that was bad? And all this griping about all the bad things. So so similar to what Pia Nilsson and Lynn Marriott did, I created a, a, a debrief, if you will, that after every tournament, as a team, we went through, um, what am I feeling for one thing? And what was, uh, what was the best shot I hit today? What did I learn? And what am I going to take from the learning that I can practice? And, you know, sure, you can talk about the bad shots. That's part of the game, for gosh sakes. But it's taking something positive from that experience so you can go forward. Because golf really is in many ways, it's a practice, it's a process. And that, as Lynn Marriott and Pia Nilsson were doing, is creating a structure so you can go forward with your game instead of being mired in all the crap, which is unfortunately um, our usual response to this stupid yeah, but, game. But it kind of comes full circle to how we started this segment about Alan, <clears throat> excuse me, Alan Langer. All these things, what I said, what you said, or, you know, is a way to be more mindful in your practice, and by the way, I like that. You know, in, in yoga, they call it yoga practice, not yoga yeah. perfect, which I love. Um, but it's, it should be called golf practice. It should, golf's not, you know, uh, Rotella's game, golf's not a game of perfect. You know, it, I didn't get it at the time. I really get it now because we all want ourselves, we, want, we have this idea that it's supposed to be, a, you, you can't perfect it. You can only practice it. And so what you do with your team and what I did yesterday is is a way to enhance best practices so that it's a good experience. You feel light. Like I left the golf course yesterday feeling great, you know. Um, but, I, you know, you got to be you got to be ever vigilant. I, I mean, someone is a oh, yeah, I, I all I do is eat and breathe and sleep this stuff. And yet I could sort of feel myself like had the range been open yesterday. I could, I could have been sucked back into back into it. Absolutely, we've all got these habitual ways that we do everything. You know, you get into a car and follow the same freaking routine, brush our teeth the same way, and it's the same with with our behavior patterns. Yeah, and when we're stressed, say tired, we fall back into those things. So, it, again, it's around awareness. It's like, what am I actually doing here? Oh, I'm falling back into that pattern of 
of you know trying to find some solution to coming over the top you know on the back nine okay just hold that thought we'll do more at uh swing thoughts you can check it out download the show today on itunes there's always a little bit extra for you podcast listeners thanks to TaylorMade, adidas and jonathan wallet uh for all your uh, participation tim o'connor o'connorgolf.ca and uh we'll see you next week when you hear the music ring. Well, I step inside, but you don't see too many faces. Coming in out of the rain, they hear the jazz go down. Competition in other places. Now we'll pause just a couple of seconds. Just one more second. Okay. Welcome to our podcast extra. Your I'm voice out. just kind of dropped a, an octave there. Is, uh, is, this like, is this like doing the jazz show? At yes. You know, playing the, the, the jazz stylings of, of Miles Davis. Well, I wanted to ask, you kind of went into an interesting vocal thing there with like, next week. I wonder, is that, is that going to be our, like our new... Sign no, off or anything? No, I, you know what it was? I was doing a, I Thank you. But I kind of was doing three things at one time. Um, uh, I was trying to kill. I was trying to, like, uh, decide what I, was, what I should turn off next. Um, you know, the um, there's a hole at Glencairn. And it's the uh, sixth hole on Speyside. It's about a 560, 550-yard uphill, slightly par five. And, oh, yeah. and yesterday I was playing with one of the new pros at our course. <clears throat> Great kid. His name is Vishal, and he's just moved here from Bombay, India. And oh, cool. He, and he, he, he's, he's emigrated to Canada. He's bringing his wife here in July, and he's been in the golf industry in India and now is uh, going into the associate professionals program. And so we get to that hole yesterday, and I did this specifically. Because everyone who plays a Glencairn hates that hole. I don't, but everyone does. And I, and I, and I wanted him, I, I said to him, you know, because we were telling him where to hit, I said, uh, I said, just so you know, this is a hole that a lot of people don't like. I said, I particularly myself, I like it. And I want you to uh, experience it. You don't have to hate this hole, I said. <laughs> I said, but because uh, it, it's a funky hole, it can it's, be. It can be your friend. It can be your friend, I said. It's two hundred and thirty, forty yards off the tee. Then there's a big thing. Then you have to lay up, and then it's a tough shot. And I just said to him, you know, embra- it's quirky. Apparently, it's Carrick, one of Carrick's favorite holes. But you got to hit like a long iron layup, and then you got to hit a hybrid or three wood next shot. And it, there's a lot; it's fraught with a lot of uh, peril. And, and if you could make a par there every time you played it, you'd be happy. Oh yeah. So, but I like it because you have to be strategic. You have to decide, you know, which part of that fairway you want to be on. Because if you're on the left side, it's an easier layup, and then you got to come down the left hand side, but not in the rough because it's tough to get to the green. I like that because. Of what we're talking about today, I find it more engaging because you have to sort of go, okay, and what, as opposed to, as we were saying, a par five, well, I'll just get up and hammer driver. And, and anyway, he didn't, he had an okay hole. And, and, but, uh, my point is sometimes we go into these things, there's this negativity around like, well, I guess I'm fucking lay up, but, but it's You're taking driver out of my hand. It's exactly taking driver out of my hand. But like I said to you, but the uh, the other example because like two Leithfield, I I've played there six years. I've never. I think I've hit it in two once. So what's the point of hitting driver on that hole? But as you were saying, it's like well, it's a par five, so I guess I'd better tee it up with a driver. And it's not like so that 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 sixth that sixth hole on Spay is tr- you have to be strategic if you want to make par. But isn't it interesting how people? You said most people hate. They all hate, they, hate, the, hate the, that the, hole. The joke is, it's the twenty seventh <laughs> best hole there. <laughs> it's the same. Uh, you get that response at Blue Springs with hole number three. It, it's it goes. It's like a yeah, um, yeah, the little dog leg. Yeah, and it goes. It's like perpendicular the yeah. way it it turns there, and people say that's funky. And I went, well, it's not your average par four, but. 
you got to hit a shot there. Sometimes it's, it is strategic, but sometimes you got to hit a golf shot. And, And that's, that to me is the beauty of golf. You get all these different challenges and that's one of them. And so it's just interesting to me how people have this sense of how golf is supposed to be played. And it's like, I remember back in the day uh, I worked as the director of communications for club link. So uh, when club link was opening golf courses in the two thousands, such as Grandview in Muskoka, I remember the feedback from a bunch of media guys. Well, I don't like it that much. There's a bunch of blind holes. Yeah. Can't see it. Everyone hated on that. I remember that. And I went, have you ever played in Ireland or Scotland? Yeah. All kinds of blind holes. And so it's not really to pick on them, but again, it's around this mindset that golf is supposed to be this and a great golf course is that. And in, in coming back to Ellen Langer, one of the key things she said about being mindful, if you had to really nail it to one thing, she says, it's noticing new things. I mean, just that's it. She said, you could work from that yeah. description of mindfulness. So wouldn't it be great to come to whatever we face in our world, um, you know, in a relationship and work or driving our car or on a golf course is here's a new thing. What can I learn from this or adapt or experience? That's a richer way to get around this world than, oh, it's supposed to be this way. When I was in Scotland, uh, the trip where I met Jonathan, um, I was playing this just a sort of city course. wasn't famous or anything. I just happened. I, I had a, a, an afternoon free, and I I was playing these two guys, and we got to like the third or fourth hole, and they said, oh, you'll like this hole. It's a par three. It was a blind par three, and I just thought that was awesome Like because you don't see that very often. Like I said to him, I said, say that to me again. You mean it's like 165 yards, but you can't see the green? I thought, that's amazing. Exactly. Uh, Tell me where to hit it, and I will hit it there. At Prestwick in Scotland. Yeah, I've played Uh, it. Historic course, yeah. So I I think it's on the front nine. It is. It's an uphill blind par three. Yeah, you just aim over the, you know, (laughs) where do you aim? Over the wee white rock. Yeah. It's crazy. No, no, to me, that is fun. That's interesting because you get up there and you you hit it, you know, however you hit it, you know, uh, maybe it's left, maybe it's right, maybe it's short, but whatever. You get up there and go, holy crap, that's interesting. That is fun. Uh, The challenge for a lot of people listening, I think, though, and and because most of us would play uh, the preponderance of our golf at our home course. Ooh, big word. Thank you. Um, and that's the challenge, you know, like I played a bunch of holes yesterday for, you know, it wasn't really, I played nine holes and I played another nine holes. I was playing around, hit the odd ball twice, played around a little bit. And there's the, 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 the challenge is how do you look at a shot that you think you've had before and, and embrace it in a different way? Like, and with me, I like to try hitting low cuts and this and that. And it sort of engages me because I'll tell you that what, when I go wrong, when I go to sleep, it's when I don't produce my best golf. My reaction's always pretty standard. I don't get too excited or mad, but I can notice that my best shots are when I'm the least actively involved or I'm the, the least, I was going to use courageous, but the least in, interested in trying something trying a different shot with a different club and a different kind of, you know, like that gives me my best chance at good golf, I think. You're not invested. Would it be fair to say you're not invested in a certain outcome? Yeah. It's just like, let's see what happens let's here. see what happens here. And that's, and that's, again, it sounds like a fun, rich experience to have. Rather, here's what I'm going to go with this, is that, so when you suggested uh, to those uh, buds, at Glencairn, you play with three clubs. Yeah. And they didn't want to be part of that. I have a sense it was because it wouldn't lead to the experience that they want to have, which is about shooting a certain target score and having yeah. a chance at a certain result. And and maybe today's the day I put in a 74 and my index drops from a, a you know, a six five to a five nine or something. 
again, it's about being invested in an outcome. And I want to play well. I'd love to see my index go down. But I know, as we're, I think as we're relating here, is that when it's more of about the experience and, and, and what, let's see what happens here. Let's try something different. To me, that's when the magic happens. And that's when we hit amazing shots and discover stuff and go, holy crap. I can put that to work again. Yeah. That, again, that sounds like a, a fun experience to me. So we were saying to Jonathan there, I was trying to make the, you know, the connection between consistency and reliability and they're different, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and, and I've spent most of my vertebrae have been, have been wasted on trying to make the same swing over and over and over again. And, you know, it hasn't served me well, uh, you know, I've played some pretty good golf, but I can tell you that the moments of of high engagement are the moments of the the, the best sort of joy. Um, I want to wrap this up. Some uh, so I'm Charles Fitzsimmons. We mentioned him a bunch of times today, partly because he and I caught up the other day. We're playing a tournament together on Monday, where he's my better ball partner, which is why you know it's a oh, it's yeah. a soft it's a soft landing in tournament golf land for me because. You know, he shoots in the 60s. Oh, so the temperature crawls into the double digits yeah, for Yeah, I'm hoping it gets above six. So, um, but Charles and I are talking about, you know, other years we've played tournament golf together. And, you know, and I sometimes get intimidated because he's such a good player. And I think, oh, you know, I should be as good as him. But I'm not. And, you know, one of the things that Hebron says in his book is part of getting, you just have to be comfortable with where you're at. You know, like, who cares what my handicap says right now? You know, there's a, you have to sort of be realistic. And that's why I said to Charles, I said, I've got, because we're talking about what are our goals for this year. And I said, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm looking forward to on Monday is I know that I'm, I'm going to temper um, my expectations because you have, we all have them. I and mean, you can, you can, you can pretend you don't, but we do. I'm going to temper my expectations for the day because I know where I'm at right now. It's, May first, I've played three rounds of golf. I'm 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 kind of hurt, and so what's what's a what, I'll go to the course that day, not expecting to be the plus one that I I aspire to be. I'll be whatever I am, and and we talked about that, and that's sort of like so. I'm not worried about the results of the tournament. I I am going to concern myself with what I can take care of, my stretching, my my nutrition, my warm up, my attitude. My playing focus, I can take care of that, and I and I will, I will expect to do well in those things because those are things I can take care of. As far as the golf swing and the golf results, I, 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 who knows? You know. Well, that sounds very mature. It is. Well, I'm almost. Uh, I'll be sixty next year. Yeah, and then, and again, just to sort of fit with I theme, it's also mindful. It's like you've 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 savored. You've taken a look at not savored, but you've taken a good look at what's what's your reality. Yeah, what's really going on, and and as opposed to boy, I better show up and hit the ball great, and and hope I, me and Charles, show up on the leaderboard, etc. Which is, ugh, uh, that's not going to serve you, I don't believe at all. Um, so yeah, I yeah. think it, it also takes a lot of um, it takes away. You know what you said about Judson. It's it's contraction versus yeah. expansion, and um, and that was one of my 2019 goals was to to leave the golf course lighter than I I entered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? well, you'll leave this mortal coil lighter than yeah. I, I, I want to I want to insert myself into the game and then extract myself. Tim hey, O'Connor. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you just before you get away we on this We gotta go. One. So how's it going with the funny station you're on and all that? You're on Sirius for so long. Everyone knows that. But now you're on, on this station. How, how's that going? What's uh, the difference it makes? Uh, it's, it's made a difference in that uh, we really like the people we work with there. They're very nice people. Um, in terms of the good. show itself, I you know, the show is the same. We haven't really... Like our podcast, the Humble and Fred podcast, you know, exists on its own. And people down, we have more downloads than we would have listeners on the radio. You know what I mean? Mm. But they're nice people and I, I like doing it. 
It's a fun focus. It's nice to have people listen to us on regular radio, too. Um, but, yeah. Cool. Dude, I have uh, grown-up stuff to do. I have uh, Humble and Fred stuff to do, and you're uh, you're off uh, doing your stuff. So Going you to have, Rochester today. Well, you and... Listen. Drive safely. Thank you. You're a nice fellow. I'm going to try and put on some transition music here. You're nice, too. You keep saying that. I did, people don't know how sweet you are. I'm a very sweet person. <clears throat> you are. And I hope, I? That, I hope that shoulder heals for you. Yeah, it's no good down there. It's no good. Hang on a second. Here's some music for you like. But you can't even hear the music, can you? Okay, there no, you hum a few bars. Hang on a second. Here it is. <sighs> here we go. Can you hear that? Negatory. All right. Uh, travel safely, young um, O'Connor. You too. And we'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye, Tim. Cheers. Cheers Bye. to you. Leave me. Leave me.